everyone, and welcome back. A cat's making a noise. <laughs> Kira, she's playing with the toy. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about memory lost, memory found, and a whole bunch of stories explained by Henry being like, didn't you know? Like, Prince Charming had a brother, and he fought a dragon. Really hand-waving our way through David's entire backstory. Yeah, I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Uh, Beth, I am not currently looking for my memories in a lost and found box at Granny's Diner. So, frankly, I'm doing spectacular. Well, everyone, we are here to talk about chapters five and six of Reawakened, A Once Upon a Time Tale. Because as we have mentioned in previous weeks, we are doing a book club while the writers and actors behind some of our most beloved movies and shows are on strike, demanding better pay, better treatment, and uh, more autonomy over the autonomy that is AI that will one day doom us all. Hooray. And yes, yeah, so in the chap these two chapters, we had The Shepherd and Heart is the Loneliest Hunter, which are again based on real episodes of Once Upon a Time. In a sense. Abby, what were your thoughts on these two chapters? I liked one chapter a lot more than the other chapter. <laughs> also, the the fifth chapter being named The Shepherd and us barely getting like not because again, these th- this entire book is based um, in Emma and Mary Margaret slash Snow White's POVs, so we don't get David's backstory except for little throwaway lines from Henry. Um, like Emma's even not quite paying attention while it's happening, so that this whole chapter was a mess. It should have been called literally anything else because it was more about. Mary Margaret and Emma having different feelings towards the situation based on who was like what was happening because at one point she's firmly against this and then later she's very for it yeah that that was in the show that I do remember that because okay, yeah it, it seemed like I was like I was going back and forth and I'm like wait a minute she's saying in this paragraph that she hopes that Mary Margaret comes to her sense but then later she's like you know what love but it's also in Mary Margaret's point of view. So, like, I guess we don't... Again, it's the strangest times to switch POVs because I don't get to watch the thought process connect the dots. Mm-hmm. So I don't get to watch Emma slowly make that realization. I get to watch Mary Margaret just get a different version of Emma. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing I really want to talk about in this episode in particular is the weird choice involving like the narrative perspective because we really it's it becomes an issue in in these two chapters especially in chapter five the shepherd because we have two povs we have emma and we have snow white slash mary margaret and like i understand that i think a mother-daughter parallel is very interesting you know i i think these two characters have a lot to learn from each other as as they're also learning you know from themselves but the book is so inconsistent in how it switches povs i get whiplash sometimes and there's also points where like one of them will be describing the actions or perceived thoughts and emotions of the other character. 
So like one in particular is early on in The Shepherd, it's through Emma's POV. And then she's talking about how Mary Margaret has fallen in love with David Nolan and goes into the whole thing about how she sees Mary Margaret's feelings. And I'm like, we literally can be in the head of Mary Margaret at any time. Why is Emma telling us how she thinks Mary Margaret feels? It, it it's so confusing. It's so confusing. Um, because also, you just get this judgy version of Emma, and then all we ever see from Mary Margaret is her second guessing her thoughts, mm-hmm. and then trying to like stand that ground. Um, I did highlight, <laughs> I did highlight two things about this chapter. Uh, and one one in connection to this is when David is telling her, hey, I got my memories back. I'm super sorry. I have remembered my stories about my wife. Because, again, it, we talked about this with the show as well. Uh, it, the fact that you're, like, creeping on a man with amnesia is always going to add up to problems. Because you're not talking to a full person. You, they're not making decisions with a full set of cards. Yeah. And so he starts getting them, and she is so upset. She's mad at him for getting his memories back about his wife. And it's the line that made me laugh the most. Hearing him work out his feelings so violently, so sloppily, so cavalierly. He literally just went, I got my memories back. I think it's important I stay married. She was, I love the idea that that's him violently working out his feelings. Yeah, this isn't really how I remember it happening in the show. I remember she was hurt and she felt a little betrayed. And I, I can understand that. Like, it's also a very embarrassing, you know, to to put yourself out there for somebody only for them to take it back because they remembered their wife. So, you know, she she I think I think it's more of a shame thing than anything else. But that's not how the book presents it. The book presented as how dare this guy do this to me. It's all his fault. It's not his fault in this situation yeah so i i totally agree with you i do wish they wouldn't throw and and i have this problem with the the actual material it comes from as well they throw the word love around i don't think that they're in love with each other i think they are confused i think they're having that rush of emotion you have when you meet a cute person on vacation like i don't think they want to get married i think they just want to kiss that's not love. That's feeling a deep connection, a confusing connection, that weird, I'm like that, that teenage feeling where you have more feelings than your body could possibly contain. And it's like coming out your fingers, like Beauty and the Beast style. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing we see is they they do add into the narrative for from Mary Margaret's point of view that like, there's something deeper, there's something more, there's something being triggered in the back of my mind. So like, they're using the fact that it's snow and charming as an excuse to like make it this pure true love draw when it really could just be lust because they have a an attraction to each other a sexual attraction that's totally normal and understandable and healthy well i mean he's married so it's not like health but you know what i mean yeah 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 so like it almost kind of feels like they're using that as an excuse to justify and then to have Henry, like Henry just being the point of view of, yeah, it's fine. She, she's, no, he's charming. I'm like, Henry, 
you got to understand things are way more complicated than that. And I feel like in the show, they're better at explaining that than they are here in the book. Well, yeah, because it's just like, well, where is she? Oh, she's your true love. And it's like Emma puts her hand on Henry's shoulder. Hey, man, not so much. Um, Yeah, and (laughs) it's all just, I do like there's one part where Henry's explaining uh, David's backstory. And the only bit of dialogue we get is Emma going, Okay, so Rumpelstiltskin trafficked people? And Henry's response was, oh, but there was a price. And she goes, fantastic. It's like, what a what a strange piece of conversation that we needed to add here. Um, also, to not even follow up with, oh, yeah, he just tried to do that with this one woman's baby, like, one chapter ago. Like, there's yeah, no mention th- of that. There's no connection to any of this. Um, and the one thing that drove me absolutely bonkers happened within, I don't know, three sentences of the fifth chapter she or snow does it is it mary margaret or emma i think it's emma mentions oh it's because graham is filling her in on long-standing feuds and then they just carry on with something else i'm like there's long-standing feuds in town tell me everything i don't care what's happening anymore i don't care if emma breaks this i want to know who is beefing with who and why tell me everything I 100% agree. I thought we were going to get some good, juicy, like, I'm just, I'm confused. I'm not going to say I'm upset with the writer because I really, honest to God, think that this was a writer for hire situation and they, they did the work that they were told to do and they didn't push it beyond that. But I'm just like, there's no narrative risk in here. There's no expansion of the world there's no deeper understanding and there's no proper story structure like i'm really starting to feel that at this point because you know in in this chapter there's no flashback to the enchanted forest henry describes everything that's also what we got in the chapter with cinderella although we never even mentioned she's cinderella it's just these loose mentions Henry's whole dialogue about charming was so funny to me because he's he almost feels like he's like, yeah, don't you know, like he's like charming was like a farmer and Rumpelstiltskin needed to get him a kid and got like so it's like it almost feels like Henry's like chiding Emma for not knowing this already. Well, what's funny, too, is that we get a lot more of Henry explaining the stories because before we got the backstories a lot. And mostly it was just like Henry laying the book down at Granny's being like, yeah, and pointing at a picture from a scene we just saw. Now we have him being like, no, 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 no. There was a twin, but then the twin died. So then they got David. But then he got to go back. But then the mom knew that he was going to get married, but they he knew that it or she knew that it wasn't true love. You know, King Midas' daughter. Remember that thing that we didn't mention before? Yeah, it's King Midas' daughter. Um, and he, yeah, she gave him a ring. So next time you see Mary Margaret, there's a ring around her neck, which I really wish Emma's POV would have been like, that's a thing she always wears. Obviously, he's going to make that connection. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> eat a cat. cat. Eat a cat. <laughs> yeah. And what was he? Oh, and like, and then in the next chapter, in chapter six, we get a full backstory because it's Mary Margaret's backstory as Snow. And but also interdispersed with it is Henry explaining the backstory before we get the backstory. So it's like Henry at one point explains to Emma that 
uh, the hunter let Mary let Snow go. And then we immediately get the scene where the huntsman let Snow go. And I'm like, why did he tell us when we're going to experience it? This makes no sense. It was... It was a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are we, we we fully moving to chapter six now? Let's move to chapter six. Is there, We're moving to like, chapter six. Yeah, there, there's the ring. Uh, there's a party. Uh, Regina slut shames Mary Margaret. Seriously, whoa. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's taken, all, like, not verbatim, but pretty close I, to I the agree, show. I agree, but it's still jarring. jarring. Yeah. And also, Ooh, she, is, she is supposed to be, like, the evil queen. Like, she's doing this to be purposely upsetting. So, like, that makes sense. It's just still hard to square it in my brain. I'm like, Regina, no. Um, oh, one more thing before we get into chapter six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this was, I thought this was in chapter six, but it's the it's the end of chapter five when we find out that Graham is sleeping with the mayor. Oh, yeah, he just falls. Just, <laughs> <laughs> So, you were talking about the, the, fe- the long, t- the feuds that are happening. And then we... Which, again, we want more embellishment of that. And then we also get this thing where Emma is, like, patrolling around. And this is when she catches Graham sneaking out the window. And she says, quote, she sensed a new tension in the air. Storybrooke didn't seem so sleepy anymore. Affairs. Intrigue. She kind of liked this new Storybrooke. It's, what? She, what? She hasn't been here that long. What? Like, and- this place kind of su- well, because in the beginning of the chapter, she's just like, "I love new towns. New towns are so great. They're so like interesting." But once the honeymoon phase is over, and it's like, "Girl, you've been here like four days. You're now already the deputy sheriff, and you're catching people." I just love. She's like, "Oh my god, I love drama." And then she realized who it was. She goes, "Oh my god, I hate drama. <laughs> I hate drama so much." Um, I will say, as we ease into chapter six here, I don't think they built up the Graham thing correctly. No. Uh, because when they start talking about how mad she is about Graham, I think my note, I, the note I literally wrote down was, did I miss something about Graham? Because she's like, I can't believe it. We had something. Where? Where was this? I've been reading. I haven't seen it. I just saw that you thought he was kind of what did i write down somewhat handsome that woo. <laughs> yeah they've had like two conversations according to the book I, I it's one of those situations where you're supposed to fill in all the gaps with the show like oh of course yeah they're they've had all these interactions in the show they've had all these romantic adventures but in the book all we've seen is graham hired her he showed her the ropes and they rescued david from the bridge like that's pretty much it i did just just quick i forgot to write this down but i did love that like at one point mary margaret can't sleep because she's thinking about david laying face down in the river and i was laughing because we made the joke about his butt hanging out just like of course can't lay awake i'm i was laying awake i can't fall asleep i'm just thinking about a butt like See, that is the kind of writing that I would appreciate. Get us inside Mary's head. Get us inside I, her head. And you know what I think it is? I think, first of all, you and I thought that there was going to be so much more in this. Again, we, we've, we've, duped, we've played ourselves. Second of all, the way that this reads to me, it reads like it is fan fiction. That is lift, like it's just like somebody writing the show. And I feel like at any moment they're going to just like... They're going to go on some sort of weird side quest that's not part of it. I feel like I'm reading the buildup to someone's headcanon that goes so completely off the rails. 
that I read for 500,000 words and it becomes the existence of my life. And I keep, I feel like I'm waiting for it and I'm exhausted. I'm like, okay, but how do we save Graham? And then we end up at an amusement park. Tell me, <laughs> tell me how we get there. Or the, uh, you know, the, the mysterious new potentially fairy, potential fairy tale character who is awesome and gorgeous and perfect in every single way and is no, in no way the writer inserting themselves into the narrative. Uh, all of a sudden, the whole book is about them and all of their adventures with every single character in the show. There's some love triangles, some love quadruples. Dr. Whale gets involved, even though he's smug and horrible and Mary Margaret hates him and says some really nasty shit about him in her mind. Okay, so I'm going to have you take a note of what time this was just so I can tell you what just happened. You cut out through most of your little monologue there and I only picked up every like 10th word and it was a wild ride. Wow. You would be here, you'd be like, Dr. Whale, boom. the author has inserted herself, boom. all these characters, boom. and then I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm here for it. That's incredible. And hopefully it doesn't repeat itself. Hopefully, are we doing okay so right far. now? We're good. So far, you've been good. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and talk about chapter six. Heart is a loneliest hunter where Graham is just belligerent and confused and running around. Am I cutting out? No, he's just throwing darts. No, sorry. Yeah, no, he's fully throwing darts at Emma because he's trashed at Granny's, um, which is an amazing place to be trashed. I love the idea that Granny, like deals with like the morning people like she's a diner that also then turns into a bar because I, I know that they have beer there it's just the idea of being drunk at the local greasy spoon is hysterical to me also playing darts in a, in a way that you're hitting patrons and no one says a thing about it. right I mean she has full-on like whiskey there like people get shots shots and I, I, I get yeah, shot, 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 shot. I do I, I guess I it makes sense that it's supposed to be a tavern, but it's just so unassuming because there's a jukebox and there's it's white like it's like white linoleum and the diner tables and stuff. So you don't get that like this is where five people meet together and then they go fight a dragon as they level up and there there's a dungeon master somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, he's just belligerent and drunk. And the whole time Emma's just like, I thought he was so pretty and I wanted to smooch on him. And now I'm so mad at him for sleeping with the mayor. I'm so mad. Yeah, and like he he kisses her at one point, and they talk. She talks about assault and non consent, and I'm like, okay, I I get it. It's just like the thing that frustrated me about this chapter was they went from zero to a hundred between Emma and Graham. They were assuming a lot of gaps were being filled by our own minds, and. It's a book like you should be able to read it independently of the show, especially if you're essentially just recapping the show in book form. Like do the work for us. Don't make us do the work to make your story make sense. Yeah, I just and the chapters are really long. We could fit some of this stuff in there. And it's not, it's just little throwaway lines, just enough to be like, oh, and they're interacting and Emma goes, oh, maybe Graham is. Maybe Graham is kind of cute or him saying or her saying that like Graham is making eyes at her or even Mary Margaret watching them interact 
Because Mary Margaret also, her POVs never really have any outward... Like, all, all of Mary Margaret's thoughts are very, like, centered in her own loneliness, which is fair. But I feel like she would have noticed a lot more of her surroundings naturally as part of her personality. Yeah, and I think the issue that we're fe- dealing with that is Mary Margaret is a complicated character in season one. You know, she is lonely. She's She's been essentially programmed by Regina to be lonely and sad and isolated and meek and small and weak. And meanwhile, there's this stronger, fiery person in there who's her true self trying to to get out. And so you see it, you see glimpses of it in how she interacts with other people. But meanwhile, when she's alone, you see those walls break down and she gets very, you know, sad. We're not really getting that in the book. Like, she just kind of says stuff and then she talks about being sad in her brain. And then she just says stuff. Um... I do like her in the scene where it's like Emma's, like, I think it's like the first part of the chapter where like like Mary Margaret's sitting at the table and she looks at Emma and she goes, hey, you know those were mine, right? They were flowers <laughs> from Dr. Whale. And apparently Emma, so incensed that Graham is sleeping with Regina, that she sees flowers, has a main character moment and thinks that they're from Graham. Again, why? And just, and just throws them and then breaks them and then just like goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I was like, I'll get it later. And it's like, no, no, she threw a tantrum. She cleans them up. That's your vase. How dare you? Yeah, I, I I know that there was a flower thing in the show, but I don't quite remember how much it matches what what happened in this situation. But I don't really think it. I honestly don't think it matters. We also get the past story, and it's very condensed where it's just snow is sad because her dad died she has a dream about him on a beach i guess and then she then this hunter guy show this this guardsman shows up and it's like let's go on a walk and she says you don't look like my normal uh soldier guard person but yeah sure fine let's go and and then we recreate the whole thing with graham and so Jamie Dornan's performance in Once Upon a Time is very good. He is not in the show for very long, but he left a lasting impact. And I was I, I pulled this this little prop out before we started taping because I have a book on my I have a book that I read. It's very stupid. It's like fantasy romance called What You Gonna Do? And I'm showing it to Abby because the guy on the front looks exactly like Jamie Dornan. He does. Right. And the girl kind of looks like me a little bit. She has my kind of outfit style, except she has mm-hmm. longer hair. So, you know. Oh, this is his best new favorite book. <laughs> it's in my eye. Yes, I've read it cover to cover 14 times. Now it's just once. It's it's very stupid. But she does social media just like me. <laughs> well, there's a book. There is not a book. There's a movie. And I'm trying to remember what it's called. And I can't remember. Dang it. But it's got Jamie Dornan in it. But it also has Sebastian Stan, who plays Hatter. Mm-hmm. And they're in a love triangle with Shailene Woodley, who is divergent or yeah. uh, secret life. And she's going through like a, a, a mid 2000s Lindsay Lohan phase. And so like it's a not a great movie, but it's like real sexy for no reason. <laughs> and it's just one of those. If you like either of those dudes, first of all, you've probably already seen that movie. But it's just like, why did we pair? They look the same. <laughs> like they're two very attractive 
brunette men in their same age range so it's like sometimes even my brain was like wait which one's this one oh this is the bad boy one this is the good one i can tell because he's wearing a sweater and a collar (laughs) this one's wearing a leather jacket (laughs) he's the bad boy anyway Anyway, anyway, so, you know, I just I want to give props to Jamie Dornan for his performance and how much he made us care about Graham in such a short amount of time, because the book does none of that. No, I, I don't care about this Graham. He's barely exists. And when he remembers his past and then he dies, Emma almost seems kind of just put out by it. Like, it's so weird how it happens. It is. First of all, I'd like to describe again. They they do him no justice um, when he takes off his helmet. Mar- uh, Snow describes him. Little Snow describes him as being like gaunt, so like he's wasting away. I'm like, <laughs> I I don't think that I don't think that's what's happening here. But okay, um, but yeah, they don't do him any favors. I I did kind of like how they showed his like slow feed of no this is this is what's happening i I see a wolf and these wolves and i see them when i kiss you and you know it's regina and but you're right because it's confusing the way emma reacts to it she's like Mm -hmm. uh graham graham you were talking in the middle of sentence i'm laying him on the ground oh my god graham what's going on uh but then she's like but then like the emts had to like pull her like sobbing body off of him like she's like holding on to him like it's like a really an intense catholic wedding now <laughs> and or wedding uh funeral i'm sorry and yeah like i they again emma in these last two these two chapters has been n- narratively all over the place mm-hmm. which is how she is but this makes it seem somehow even more disconnected yeah which is wild a wild choice. Um, but yeah, it's just, I like this chapter better than the fifth one. I think we got there. I liked the Graham stuff for the most part. It was just Emma's observation of the Graham stuff that was kind of like, hmm, not so much. I think my favorite moment in the two chapters was when Regina punched Emma in the face. Oh my God. Yeah, she, uh, she clocked me and I left. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I busy. have to go. And then Graham is just like, tisk tisk Regina, how dare you? I will never sleep with you again, and now I'm going to die. And, like, in, you know, I don't want to, like, keep making comparisons to the show, although that's kind of part of why we're looking at the book. But he just starts dying, and we we don't know why, but they also don't present it as a mystery. Like, at they no point... Died. He just died. Like, we're supposed to know that Regina's crushing his, has his heart and is crushing it. We're supposed to know that because it's in the show. I want to, I want to track this. I want to find out if we ever get answers to this because in a book you'd get the answers. Like Regina's going to have some big monologue about X, Y, and Z. I, I would bet dollars to donuts. We don't get it. Yeah. And I highlighted one line that was near the end of chapter six. And I'm going to hold it up to you because it made no sense to me. It just says, Graham, as he's dying, I love you. He groaned. Wait, hold on. Hold it up again. Oh, uh. He groaned again and took a few labored breaths. I love you, he said. Don't act like you're dying, Graham. I love the idea that you're yelling at a person like, I love you. How dare you? <laughs> well. And where's this love coming from? It's not earned in this version of the story. 
it's not er it, it again this is the conversation with like mary margaret and david it's not love you're feeling a very unusual connection when you kiss her which is hysterical too when you kiss her instead of seeing fireworks you're seeing a crazy wolf and you're like a cool huntsman guy in a flannel t-shirt and you're living your cottage core life i don't see fireworks i see cottage core vibes let's go but we don't it, it's just it, I, i'm being piecemealed a love story and i don't like it yeah the the thought that kept coming into my head as I was reading this, and I also looked at Goodreads and read some like five star reviews and one star reviews just to kind of see like Same. what the polarizing opinions were. It's yeah. it's wild. Uh, there's some crazy ones in there. I highly recommend checking it out. In fact, I think maybe for our next episode, we should each prepare a couple. <gasps> I hope so, and then I can't wait to figure out when we pull the same ones because we're yes. going to do dramatic readings of some of these these reviews. Because first of all, if you guys are not on Goodreads and you are readers, you have to don't read reviews before you've read the book, but definitely read it afterwards. Because I slogged through an entire book, and I was like, I don't know why TikTok Book Talk recommended this. Am I insane? And then I went and read the reviews and went, Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Everyone else was in the same boat. But this, I've read, I've also read the polarizing, and it's, it seems like the five stars are closer to this is a great piece of supplementary material, and they were just looking for something fun versus the one stars who were just like, What is this book? And why is it the way that it is? It just got me thinking about what kind of book we could have gotten instead. You know, this is a YA book. It's a book for kids. It's a book for young adults. I get that. But imagine if instead of this weird retelling of season one, we instead got a retelling of the Once Upon a Time storybook. Yeah. And you put in, you know, what existed already of the stories. You can just copy, lift it from the show fill in the rest of it with what we know from the series and add new color and new context. And heck, you could pick fairy tale characters that weren't even in the show, but you know are in that world. Like Three Little Pigs. What the heck is going on with the Three Little Pigs um, during this time? What is going on with, you know, Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater? Murdering all his wives and hiding them in pumpkins. I want to read that story. And you even could, like, do a parallel of it with, like, little addendums with what they were up to in Storybrooke. Like, you put a little, you know, little addendum at the end of be like, oh, yeah, the uh, Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a hipster farm in and he was like this and he also murdered all his wives and he's on the run. So I just like the book is just what it is. And we're going to read it and we're going to yeah. get through it. We're going to survive we're it. In, we're, we're in it now. It's fine. We're, we're going to do three chapters this time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do three chapters next time. We're going to... We're going to run through this beautiful, beautiful little baby. And then we'll start getting into the books that, you know, go into more of a a standalone narrative that expands on the world. I have read a lot better things about the next two books. Yeah. Um, which are written by a different author, different authors. I don't know if they're both the same author, but both of them do have um, history. They exist, and we can look at other things that they've written, and they, they're not prolific, but they definitely have more of a footprint than our strange mystery author that does not <laughs> exist at the moment. <laughs> well, Abby, any closing thoughts about these two chapters before we uh, venture on to part two, 
lost hearts. Uh, There were no strange $10 words in these two chapters. Very disappointing. Um, I've come, I've come to expect a certain standard of living (laughs) and I'm furious. Hopefully I have three new words for you next week based one from each chapter. Um, otherwise I'll just find some and I'll just, I'll just find us some cool words for us to all learn. No words this week. Today was a a week. We're not using our brains. Nope. We're not. Well, I mean, we're not really using our brains with this book overall. (laughs) How dare you? Well, everyone, want to thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing Book Club. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing to continue our own little private book talk conversation. And... You can join the Patreon and support us. We want to thank all of our patrons for your continued love and support, especially our Swan Queen patrons. Hello. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Lisa Slack. Thank you so much, Lisa. We're going to be back next week with season. No, it's not. We're doing chapters. Chapters seven through ten. We're doing three chapters this time. Seven, eight, nine. And we're going to see how we feel after that. If we decide we want to keep going even faster to get through the, to the next book quicker, we'll do that too. We're just going to... We're going to do three chapters and then the rest. And then we'll do the rest. Yes. <laughs> Abby, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode this week? I have no closing thoughts. I am having a very good time. I love this. I love our book club. I'm excited to get through the rest of this book. I'm excited to do our new books. And I'm excited for all the conversations. I will after... Uh, probably either Friday or Saturday um, after this recording, I will put up on the Facebook group a like discussion post. Wonderful. Uh, for people to discuss this first portion of the book because it is portioned into thirds. I didn't want to spam everybody with every chapter. So like we'll just do the first third, how everyone feeling, how we're talking, any headcanons. Because um, I did see some people discussing um, some things like that, which was great. Ah. And uh, I, I pulled face, I pulled Facebook off my phone, so I, I, I can't bring it up uh, to tell you any of those. I will have names and cool points and things that people brought up along with our reviews and stuff next week. Uh, it'll be a jam-packed episode next week as opposed to this 30-minute hand-waving we've just done. <laughs> Hand-waving of a hand-waving of a retelling. Yes. Well, we will hand-wave ourselves into the next episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And Abby, we'll see you and read you next week. See you next week.